Chapter 18 Anthony arrived a few minutes after six on Saturday evening. Callie greeted him at the front door. He was wearing a green and white striped rugby shirt over black jeans. It had rained all day, making the house gloomier and damper than ever. The rain had let up a little before five. Anthony stops to wipe his wet sneakers on the straw welcome mat. What's up? he asked, trying to sound casual. But Callie saw the uncertainty in his eyes as he gazed at the house. The spaghetti is boiling and I baked brownies, she informed him. She held the screen door open. I didn't quite bake them enough. They're soft and mushy. The way I like them, he said, flashing her an awkward smile. He followed her into the house. Smells good, he said, sniffing. That's a tomato sauce, she told him, leading him past the living room. Hope you like garlic. And then, before she realized what she was doing, Callie leaned forward and kissed him. It was the most impulsive thing she had ever done. She pressed her lips against his and brought her hands up to his shoulders. I just need to be kissed, she told herself. I need to be hugged, to be held. I need someone to help lift the gloom of this horrible house. Anthony reacted with surprise at first, but then he wrapped his arms around Callie's waist and returned the kiss. Yes, she thought. Yes, this is what I need right now. The kiss lasted a long time. Finally, Callie ended it, brushing her lips against his cheek. They stepped back from each other, and she suddenly felt awkward. She had never done anything like that before. Mom and Dad aren't home, she told him, holding his hand and leading him to the dining table. The table was set for three. She saw that Cody had forgotten the napkins. They went to visit relatives. They took James with them. So, it's just you and me, he asked, brushing his dark hair with one hand. And Cody, Cody said, emerging from the kitchen. She had a long wooden spoon raised in front of her. She tasted it. Mmm, the sauce is okay, she announced. A little too garlicky. You forgot the napkins, Callie told her. Cody shook her head fretfully. I always forget something. She turned back to Anthony. Callie told me you're afraid of our house. Callie saw Anthony's cheeks turn pink. That's a filthy lie, he said, grinning. Listen, we're not going to talk about the house tonight, Callie instructed. We're going to have a nice dinner, and we're going to talk only about fun things. She glared meaningfully at her sister. We're not going to talk about dead bodies or ghosts or anything like that, right? Callie turned back to the kitchen. Uh-oh, the pot is boiling over. All three of them darted into the kitchen to rescue the spaghetti. Callie had a good time at dinner, the best time she had since moving into 99 Fear Street. Cody obediently stayed away from the subject of the house and the frightening things that had occurred in it. Anthony told them funny stories about Shadyside High and the kids he knew there, and he told them about a hilarious track meet in which the entire Shadyside team, Anthony included, ran the wrong way for a 220-meter event. The house rang out with gleeful laughter for the first time. This has been the longest, dreariest summer. I can't wait for school to start, Cody declared. Callie admitted to herself that she was also eager to start going to her new school. Her old high school had been so small, only 40 kids in the entire 10th grade. It would be fun to meet a whole new group of kids and make new friends. As they ate, Anthony appeared to relax. Callie was happy to see that the spaghetti was a success. They all had two helpings. Afterward, the rich, chocolatey brownies disappeared in a hurry. When they were finished, Callie stood up and glanced at the clock. We better clean up fast, she said. We'll be late. I'll take care of the dishes, Cody offered. No, it'll be faster if we all do it, Anthony said. He stacked the dinner plates and placed the big salad bowl on top of them and carried them into the kitchen. He's a great guy, Cody whispered, leaning across the dining room table toward Callie. Callie smiled and nodded. Cody sighed. Oh, just think, if I had shown up at the restaurant first, maybe he'd be taking me to the movies. Callie heard the water in the kitchen sink start to run. Then she heard the grinding roar of the garbage disposal. 
Poor Cody, she thought, frowning at her sister across the table. Always so jealous. You'll meet some guys, Callie said, raising her voice over the roar of the disposal. As soon as school starts, Callie started gathering up the forks and spoons. She dropped them all back onto the table when she heard the hideous scream. Anthony! His shrill howl rose up over the grinding rumble of the garbage disposal. Callie lurched toward the kitchen, then hesitated in the doorway. She shut her eyes. She didn't want to see what was happening in there. She didn't want to hear of what was making Anthony shriek in such pain, but she had no choice. Letting out a low cry, she stepped into the kitchen, in time to see him tugging, tugging his arm, bending and pulling, tugging with all his strength as he screamed, struggling to pull his hand free from the roaring, grinding sink drain. Finally, the hand came free. His eyes bulging with horror, Anthony raised his arm in front of him. My hand! The hand was a mangled pulp, a pink and red mass of skin, blood, and bone. My fingers! he shrieked, his shrill voice rising over the grinding roar. Where are my fingers? Chapter 19 Callie hesitated for a second, cupping her hand over her mouth as she gasped in horror at Anthony's pulpy hand. Then, ignoring the wave of nausea that swept up from her stomach, she dove past him to the sink. She clicked off the garbage disposal. Anthony's frantic howls rose through the quiet. My fingers! My fingers! Leaning over the sink, Callie peered down into the drain. Then, sobbing, gasping in noisy, shallow breaths, she plunged her hand down and pulled up the two fingers that had been cut off. My fingers! My fingers! Anthony was shrieking, holding the mangled hand in front of his face with his other hand. Cody stood paralyzed by the back door, breathing hard, her mouth wide open. My fingers! Wrapping the two fingers in sheets of paper towel, Callie called to her sister. The car! Start the car! We've got to get him to the emergency room! Cody hesitated raising her hands to the sides of her face. How did it happen? How? Cody, Callie screamed at the top of her voice, trying to shock her sister into action. Get the car. Cody swallowed hard, then immediately ran to get the car keys to the Fraser's second car. My fingers! My fingers! Anthony's cries sounded more like the wails of a trapped animal. Fighting back her nausea, Callie tightly wound a dish towel around the mangled hand. Then, holding the wrapped up fingers tightly in one hand, she slid her other arm around Anthony's quavering shoulders and gently guided him out to the car. Callie visited Anthony in the hospital the next afternoon. He was groggy from the painkillers the doctors had given him. His hand lay under an enormous white cast that went up to his elbow. He stared at her numbly. He answered her questions with short yeses and noes. Sometimes he didn't answer at all. Anthony's parents huddled tensely together on the other side of their son's bed. They whispered quietly to each other. Anthony's mother kept dabbing at her eyes with a shredded tissue. They sewed the fingers back on, she told Callie in a choked whisper. They sewed them both on, but they don't think they'll work. He, he won't be able to move them. She burst into sobs, which she muffled with one hand. Anthony's father tried to comfort her. Anthony stared at Callie, his eyes dilated and watery. He didn't say anything. He's in shock, his father explained. He's still very dazed. And then he hesitantly said, Anthony told me he felt as if some force grabbed him and pulled his hand down into the into the disposal. How did it happen? I, I, I don't know, Callie stammered. I wasn't in the kitchen. I only heard. I really don't know. She knew she couldn't hold her tears back much longer. Leaning over the bed, she said her goodbye to Anthony. Then, nodding farewell to his parents, she hurried from the room. That night, Mr. Fraser paced the living room, shaking his head as he took his long, quick strides. James sat on the couch, rocking back and forth to a secret rhythm. 
James, why are you doing that? Callie demanded. I want Cubby, was his muttered reply. He continued to rock, slamming his back against the back of the couch. Where's Mom? Cody asked, sprawled sideways in the armchair beside the couch. A copy of Sassy spread over her lap. Went to bed early, Callie told her. She was upset. We're all upset, Mr. Fraser said, turning at the window and pacing back toward them, his hands shoved deep into the pockets of his baggy brown shorts. Upset. We're upset. We're very upset, he chanted under his breath. Dad? What happened at your cousin's house? Cody demanded. He went to see him about lending you money. Did he? No, he didn't, Mr. Fraser snapped. He didn't. He didn't come through. And now everyone is upset. Very upset. You mean, Cody persisted. I mean, he couldn't lend us the money to get out of this place, Mr. Fraser shouted, his eyes wild behind his glasses, his face reddening. He said he had a bad year. He has tax problems. He couldn't help. Oh. Cody sank back into the chair and pretended to read a magazine. James, can't you stop that rocking, Callie demanded. Her brother, his eyes on the darkness outside the window, ignored her. Mrs. Nordstrom entered, drying her chubby hands on a dish towel. The kitchen is cleaned up, she reported to Callie's dad. He stopped his pacing and squinted at her, as if trying to figure out what she was saying. Such a terrible mess, the housekeeper said sternly. This house, it has a curse on it, I'm afraid. Please, don't quit, Mr. Fraser begged. Please, Mrs. Nordstrom, we need you. Yes, yes, I'll be back in the morning, Mrs. Nordstrom said, sighing. She turned and disappeared from the room. I want Covey, James muttered, his face drawn into a pout. I heard Cubby this morning. I heard him crying. It's not really Cubby you hear, Callie told him. It's just the wind or something squeaking. No, it isn't, James screamed angrily. It's Cubby. It is Cubby. He resumed his furious rocking. So what are we going to do? Cody asked her father, raising her eyes from the magazine. He didn't seem to hear her. He stood at the window, staring out into the darkness as if in a trance. Cody repeated the question. Well, we have to finish painting the porch, Mr. Fraser said without turning around. Then we have to patch the roof. The shingles should be replaced, and then... No, Daddy, Callie broke in sharply. That's not what Cody meant. She meant... It's bedtime, I think, he interrupted. He stared across the room to the clock on the mantel. Bedtime for everyone. We're all just overtired. We'll be okay if we weren't so tired. We just stay out too late, that's all. That's our whole problem. Callie started to protest, but she realized there was no point. It was impossible to communicate with their father right then. Maybe he'll be in better shape tomorrow, she thought hopefully. Maybe he'll be able to think clearly. She crossed the room and gave him a quick kiss on his forehead. He was so hot his skin was burning. Daddy, you should take your temperature, Callie told him. He didn't seem to hear her. As Callie, Cody, and James unhappily climbed the stairs to their rooms, Callie turned back to see her father at the living room window. He was pressing his forehead against a cool glass. His eyes were shut tight. His shoulders were trembling. Callie changed into a long nightshirt. Then she went down to the bathroom to brush her teeth. When she finished, she noticed a light still on in James's room. She made her way over to it and peeked in. He was in his pajamas, standing beside his bed, a picture book in one hand. Read me this story, he demanded, seeing Callie in the doorway. Huh? Callie stepped into the room. The air was hot and stuffy, warmer than in the hall. Let's open a window in here, she said. No, don't, James cried, his eyes wide, and moved to block Callie's path to the window. Don't, please. Okay, okay, Callie said softly, stepping beside him. Why don't you want the window open? I just don't, he replied. He's afraid, she realized. James never used to be afraid of anything, but now... Read me this. He shoved the book into her hand. Callie glanced at the cover. The picture book was called Pug, the Ugly Bunny. Read it. Sit here. James climbed into bed and patted the mattress at his side. But this is a baby book, Callie protested. 
you haven't read this book in at least five years, and now you can read it yourself. Please read it to me, he asked in a tiny, pleading voice. Callie felt as if she might burst into tears. Poor James, she thought. He's trying to go back to being a baby. Everything has frightened him so much, he's trying to go back to when things were happy. Happy and safe. With a sob, she threw her arms around his slender body, pulled him close, and hugged him. He felt so fragile, so delicate. James didn't make any effort to free himself. He just repeated, The story. Please read it to me. Callie let go of him and wiped the tears off her cheeks with her hands. Then she settled next to her brother on his narrow bed and read the picture book to him as if he were two instead of nine. After she finished reading, she set the book down, said good night, and made her way from the room. She stopped in the doorway to peer back at him. James had picked up the book and was silently reading through it again. Shaking her head, Callie turned and slowly made her way down the narrow hall to her room. Callie felt like crying again as she thought of James, of how fearful he had become, how pitifully fearful. She had no way of knowing that she would never see her brother again. Chapter 20 Dear Diary My poor brother, I'm so worried about him. He has started acting like a total baby. A few minutes ago, he made me read him a picture book he hasn't read since he was three. And he has become afraid of everything. He is even afraid to have his bedroom window open at night. James has never liked that before. This house is changing all of us. Mama's become so quiet, so withdrawn. She barely says a word. Most nights, she goes to her room right after dinner and just lies in bed in the dark. When I asked her if she wanted to come with me to the mall to start looking for school clothes, she just shook her head and walked away. I'm worried the most about Dad. He spends hours pacing back and forth, talking to himself like a crazy person. Sometimes he stares at us with this weird expression on his face, as if he doesn't recognize us. He keeps talking about how he's going to find that real estate agent, Mr. Lorry, and get her money back, but he knows that's impossible. Then Dad will start talking about how he's going to fix this place up, get it in really good shape, paint it and everything, as if that's going to help. There's evil here, real evil. I know I sound like Cody, but I have to admit that Cody was right. The stories Anthony told us about the fears and the people they murdered and buried under our house and about the poor family who built the house, they must be true. Anthony, will I ever see you again? I called the hospital tonight, but his mother came on the phone. She was very cold to me. She said Anthony didn't want to talk to me and didn't want to see me. I guess I can't blame him. I practically forced him to come here. And then... Callie stops writing when she heard the first high-pitched cry. Holding her pen above the diary page, as if frozen in place, she tilted her head and listened. Mommy! Daddy! The pen fell from her hand as she shoved the desk chair back and left to her feet. The cries are coming from James's room. Shrill, frightened cries. Is he having a nightmare? Callie wondered. James had terrible nightmares when he was little. Sometimes he would wake up two or three times a night, screaming and crying. But he hadn't had a bad dream for years. Mommy, Daddy, come get me. Lurching toward the door, Callie stubbed her toe on the leg of the desk. She cried out in pain and hopped the rest of the way. James, what's the matter? She heard her father calling. Heavy footsteps, more cries. Cody appeared in the hall, rubbing her eyes. Callie's mother appeared from her bedroom, hurrying after Mr. Fraser. Mommy, where are you? James's cry sounded tiny, far away. Ignoring the throbbing pain that shot up her leg, Callie hobbled after the others, down the hall to James's room. James? Mrs. Fraser choked out. Callie stopped in the doorway. Her father clicked on the ceiling light. James, where are you? The first thing Callie saw was the picture book about the ugly bunny. It was carefully propped up against James's pillow. Mommy, are you there? Daddy? Callie could hear James's voice so clearly. He was in there in the room with them. But where? James, are you hiding? Where are you, James? Mrs. Fraser's voice trembled. Her eyes were red-rimmed, wide with fear. Come get me, Mommy. It's dark here. It's very dark here. 
James's words sent a cold shiver down Callie's back. She saw Cody gasp and raise her hand to her mouth. Come get me, please, James begged. Where are you, James? Mrs. Fraser cried. Please, tell us where you are. It's too dark here. It's too dark, Mommy. Callie's father tore desperately at the sheets, jerking them off the bed. He lurched to the closet and pulled open the door. James? Cody dropped to the floor and searched under the bed. Mr. Fraser moved frantically to the window and peered out. Where are you, son? Come get me. Please come get me. I'm so scared, Daddy. Just tell us where you are, Callie's mother shrieked, tugging at her hair with both hands. Tell us, James. Where are you? It's so dark here, Mommy. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Come get me. Tell us, James! Mrs. Fraser shrieked in a terrified voice Callie had never heard before. Tell us where you are! Silence. Callie gripped the doorframe, her hands as cold as ice, her heart thudding in her chest. James, where are you? Mrs. Fraser repeated, sobbing. I'm coming to get you, James, Callie's father said, searching the closet again, ducking low to look under the computer table. Don't worry. I'm coming. Just tell me where you are. I'm right here, Daddy. I'm right here, the tiny, frightened voice said. It's real dark here. I'm afraid. Please come get me. Please? Where? Mr. Fraser repeated desperately. Where? Where? Callie jumped, startled, as her mother let out a shrill scream. He's there, Mrs. Fraser shrieked, pointing. He's right there. Chapter 21 Huh? Where? Mr. Fraser turned to gape at his wife. Callie's mother pointed furiously. There! James is right there! Callie didn't see anything. Her mother was pointing to thin air. He's there. Get him! Get him, James! This Fraser insisted. But I don't see, Mr. Fraser started to say, his eyes dancing wildly behind his glasses, his hands balled into tense fists at his sides. In the wall. He's in the wall! Callie's mother screamed, pointing. Come get me. It's too dark in here. James's voice sounded even softer now, more frightened. With a frantic cry, Callie's father began clawing at the wallpaper. I'm coming, James. Daddy is coming. Cody moved quickly. She grabbed her father by the shoulders and struggled to pull him back. Daddy, your hands! Mr. Fraser's fingers were cut and bleeding. He's in the wall. Get him! Get him out of there! Mrs. Fraser shrieked, still tucking her hair. We need tools. A sledgehammer, Mr. Fraser declared. Uh, I'll get it, Callie said hesitantly. She felt so helpless, standing in the doorway, gripped with terror, watching the horror sweep over her family. I'll get the sledgehammer. Before she even realized what she was doing, Callie was running barefoot down the creaking stairs towards the back hall, pulling open the basement door, clicking on a dim light, making her way down the steep wooden stairs. The concrete basement floor felt so cold under her bare feet. The sledgehammer, she thought. Where? Her eyes searched desperately over the cluttered floor. The moving floor. The squirming floor. Moving? Oh. Callie uttered a low cry as the rats came into focus. At least a dozen of them, their tiny eyes red in a dim light, their snake-like tails sweeping along the floor as they squirmed and scuttled. Why hadn't Mr. Hankers killed them yet? Callie wondered, gaping at the disgusting creatures, trembling all over. Why are there still so many rats? Callie spotted a sledgehammer, an iron pick, leaning against the basement wall. As she started toward them, the rats all stopped moving. Callie froze. The rats reared up on their hind legs, their red eyes trained menacingly on her. They're going to attack, Callie realized. A wave of fear made her entire body convulse in a cold shudder. A shrill, hissing sound rose up from the staring rats. A warning cry? A call to battle? With a desperate wail, Callie lurched to the wall, grabbed the sledgehammer. Then she spun around, turning to the rats. She raised the heavy hammer high with both hands. The rats didn't move. Their red eyes glowed brightly. Their shrill hissing grew louder. Are they going to attack? Are they going to charge all at once? Slowly, Callie lowered the sledgehammer. She grabbed the metal pick. Then she sucked in a deep breath and plunged back toward the stairs. 
The shrill rat hiss pierced the air, a deafening, terrifying sound. Callie struggled to ignore it as she stumbled up the stairs, dragging the heavy tools with her. Her heart pounding so hard it hurt, she reached the top and slammed the door behind her. At last, the hissing stopped. Callie swallowed hard. She hurried through the darkness, carrying the sledgehammer and pick, up the stairs. She could hear her mother's loud sobs as she reached the second floor landing, and she could hear her father's frantic shouts. We're coming, James. Hold on. Hold on. We're coming. Her father grabbed the sledgehammer from Callie. He dove toward the wall and began slamming it wildly against the dark wallpaper. We're coming, James. We're coming. Daddy's coming now, he shouted as he worked. Dropping the hammer, he grabbed the pick and tore through the wallpaper. Then he clawed away at the plaster underneath. Callie sank down beside her sister on James's bed, watching her father's desperate stabs at the wall. Her hands clasped tightly in her lap. Callie fought back the waves of nausea that rose up from her stomach. Cody was breathing hard, gasping with each breath, her arms crossed tightly, protectively, around her chest. Mrs. Fraser stood hunched against the far wall, sobbing loudly, shaking her head and moaning. I'm coming. Daddy's coming, James. The plaster cracked. Large chunks fell away, dropping over Mr. Fraser's bare feet and onto the bedroom floor. Sweat stained the back of his pajama top as he worked. He groaned and cried out with each swipe at the wall. James, can you hear me? I'm coming for you. I'm, al I'm almost there. And then Callie saw the last chunk of plaster fall away. Groaning, Mr. Fraser took a step back. They all stared at a gaping black hole he had made. The empty black hole. James? Mr. Fraser called breathlessly, his chest heaving. He wiped the sweat off his forehead with his sleeve. James? Silence. Callie leaps to her feet. She crossed the room, pushed past her dazed, exhausted father, and stuck her head into the hole in the wall. Can you see him? She heard her mother call. Is he in there? Callie pulled her head back. It's empty, she choked out. But Callie, Mrs. Fraser started, empty, just a hole, Callie muttered. Mr. Fraser let the sledgehammer fall heavy to the floor. He let out a long sigh. Daddy, Mommy, where are you? The tiny cry made everyone jump. James? Callie turned back to the wall. I'm afraid, I'm really afraid, come get me. The voice wasn't coming from the wall. He He's downstairs, Cody stammered, pointing. Yes, Mrs. Fraser's expression brightened. I can hear him, in the living room. She turned and stumbled out into the hall. James, James, are you down there? Callie's father picked up the tools and lumbered after her. Callie and Cody exchanged frightened glances. None of us is getting out of here alive, Cody muttered, her green eyes clouded with fear. We have to find him, Callie insisted in a trembling voice. We have to. As they hurried into the hall, they heard their mother scream. Then they heard the heavy thump of a body falling down the stairs. Then silence. Chapter 22 Callie got to the top of the stairs a few steps ahead of Cody. Staring to the bottom, she saw her mother sprawled on the floor, on her side, her body twisted at an impossible ankle. Mr. Fraser was bent over her, frantically squeezing her hands. Is Mom okay? Did she fall? Is she all right? The girl's voices competed from the top of the stairs. Callie swallowed hard. Her mother wasn't moving. Wasn't moving at all. Is she okay? Is she? Finally, their mother stirred. My arm, she moaned. My arm hurts so much. Mr. Fraser gently rolled her onto her back, exposing her right arm, which had been bent underneath her. I, I think it's broken, Mrs. Fraser said through gritted teeth. Mommy, Daddy, where are you? James's high-pitched cry made Mr. Fraser let go of his wife's hand and climb to his feet. James, are you here? Oh, my arm, Mrs. Fraser struggled to sit up. Callie and Cody dashed down the stairs to help her. We've got to get you to the hospital, Callie told her mother. No, Mrs. Fraser protested. I can't leave. I can't leave until we find James, she winced in pain. Callie glanced at the torn sleeve of her mother's nightgown. Mom, your arm! The jagged bone was poking through the tear in her mother's sleeve. 
I can't leave. I can't leave, Mrs. Fraser shrieked. Mommy, where are you? Come get me. He's up in the ceiling, Mr. Fraser declared, raising his eyes to the high living room ceiling. Are you up there, James? I can hear you up there. Hey, I found Cubby, they heard James exclaim. Here, Cubby. Here, Cubby. I found Cubby. Callie could hear the puppy barking behind James's shrill cries. Yes, he's up in the ceiling, Mr. Fraser declared breathlessly, his eyes dancing crazily in his head. Dad? Callie grabbed her father's shoulder. Mom's arm. We have to get her to the hospital. The bone. It's... No! He jerked out of her grasp. I have to get James. He's right up there. He pointed to the ceiling. Daddy, I found Cubby. The voice did sound as if it were coming from right above their heads. But Mom's arm, Callie protested. Ignoring her, Mr. Fraser pushed past Callie and made his way to the front porch. He reappeared a few seconds later, dragging the aluminum ladder into the living room. I'm coming, James. He dragged the sledgehammer up the ladder and began swinging it at the ceiling. The plaster cracked, sending a fine powder down over him. I'm coming, James. Can you hear me? Callie crossed the living room to the phone beside the couch. I'm calling for an ambulance, she told Cody, who was bent over Mrs. Fraser, trying to comfort her. Callie lifted the receiver to her ear. Hey! she cried out when she didn't hear a dial tone. She clicked the phone several times. Silence. Hey! The phone is dead! With a loud crack, a big chunk of the ceiling came crashing down. Gripping the side of the ladder, Mr. Fraser dodged out of the way as the heavy piece of ceiling narrowly missed him. James! He peered up into the dark hole he had made. Silence now. James, are you up there? You can come out now. Silence. Mr. Fraser climbed one step higher on the ladder. James! Across the room, Callie watched in silent dread, squeezing the dead phone receiver in her hand. James isn't in there, she told herself, feeling a cold shiver run down her back. James isn't there. We're never going to find him. Never. She watched her father climb another rung of the ladder, and then she saw a dark hand reach down from the ceiling hole. Callie saw at once that it was not a human hand. It was a shadow hand, a transparent hand, gray and billowy, as if made of smoke, with wriggling long fingers like snakes. Callie gasped as the hand swirled around her father's face, covering him, covering his face in darkness. Reaching down from the ceiling, the hand darkened around him, until Mr. Fraser appeared to have no head at all.